Test, test, one, two. Is this thing on? All right. It is the uh, Recovery Friends podcast back at you. My name is Andy, and I am the uh, inefficient host of this podcast. Um, we're, We're working on two episodes a year right now. That's, like, not even exaggerating, so... Um, here's the first, which was recorded last year. Uh, my friend Fib came over and, uh, we recorded this, took a couple hours. It was really nice. Um, a very, obviously I always enjoy having these conversations. So it's really, that's like one of the main factors of why I do this. But, um, hopefully you guys enjoy listening to them. And can ignore the fact that I repeat myself a lot and just focus on uh, the story of the person who I have on. Um, But yeah, so I've been having it on deck for a while. I've just needed to record this this intro. I've had a few friends of mine hit me up and be like, dude, where's the podcast? So, you know, even if it's just two or three people who are waiting on an episode, I feel like... uh, we have an audience, and we have to uh, do right by them. So here you guys go. Um, episode, I don't know what number, and um, I know you guys will enjoy it. Um, oh, and then, you know, the same old, same old disclaimer. You know, these are people just telling their stories, and they're not representing any entities, any 12-step programs. They're telling their story of of how they reached the bottom and they turned their lives around and found hope. And hopefully this is inspirational to you. Hopefully, you know, if you're out there struggling, you hear this and you go, man, maybe I can change my life, turn my life around. Uh, It doesn't matter what age or how far down uh, the quote scale you have gone. Uh, I've seen people right in the ship uh, in many, many different uh, circumstances uh and hopefully that this podcast is doing that for people and so yeah um enjoy what i can hear myself yeah that's the whole point like the headphones are cool i like the headphones i like hearing myself Say some stuff. Hello. Say some stuff. Yeah. Hold some on. stuff. Yeah. Okay. I think you're good. All right. <laughs> this is so weird. All right. Okay. We're we've started. I I press record. You've been recording that. <laughs> you're just gonna. Have I a just recording? press record. I oh, just so so just like the whole like adjusting your mic part. Okay. I feel like what we were talking about earlier was could have gone on here easily. I mean, maybe we'll get back to it. I don't yeah, who knows? We'll see. We'll just let it go where whatever, it goes. Whatever. Um, so thank you for coming, Fib. Uh, and let's see. It's funny because I remember my first memory of, I think like my first like solid memory of you was we went to uh, your sponsor's house to play like board games what was, what, what was it do you remember that when it was it was her birthday yeah and we had like a few people she had 
like her friend in from Pittsburgh, uh-huh. and we had a little game night. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> we went after uh, birth. It was like after birthday. After birthday, we yeah. left, and then we went. I loved that night. Yes, and uh, but I just remember, like, because there's it's such a stark contrast between like you in front of me right now, all bubbly and like alive, mm-hmm. and then that night. Of course, you know it. It is always weird being around new people, right? Yeah, but like. Just this, you, you, you've you've shed. I think some things that kept you from being like your authentic self, right? Yeah. Would you say that? Probably. Yeah. That I think- was a very like I feel like a completely <laughs> different person, and yeah. I was so nervous that night because that was the first time that I was hanging out with my sponsor and doing uh. fun things and actually like being social. Like everything else before that was like okay, I was going to meetings and like doing yeah. the work, and now I'm supposed to be like. A human being <laughs> that yeah. was very new to me that was so weird but it's so yeah it's interesting that's one thing that like is so cool about uh like f- fellowships like the ones that we're part of is that you you get to learn to be in relationship with people and like you're learning for the f- really like because i i think i unlearned how to be in a crowd when you first got sober. Like, by the time I got sober, I was like, I didn't know how to be in a crowd. Oh, yeah. There yeah. was no way. I could, I didn't know how to have a regular conversation with someone. I had to relearn everything. Yeah. It, it oh. was just, it felt like I was, I remember specifically saying to some friends who I'd known, like, before I got sober and then, like, talking to them, like, while I was getting sober, I felt like I was back in, like, middle school where I was suddenly relearning how to, like, have one-on-one conversations with people and how to, like, date and how like what to do i didn't really know like i felt like i was literally like coming into like being an adult all over again yeah i think it's like especially when you start drinking or using drugs at like an early age where there's still like some very important phases of development that you have to go through but when you start using and, and, and and drinking and using that as like your crutch then like that phase of development just you yeah. lose it <laughs> it just never happened yeah it was literally non-existent i don't because like you know those are some pretty formative teenage years and yeah. instead of actually developing skills that most teenagers would do i was literally obliterated i was drinking almost every day from you know high school wow. so it was very <laughs> i lost a lot of time yeah. a lot of time but it's cool to get it back though it's ha- and having have the experience and like I mean, I know, I mean, I got sober, I was almost 30. Mm. So, I mean, you got, a, you got, I mean, you got sober really young. Yeah, I got sober, <laughs> yeah, never had a legal drink, got sober at 20, so. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, in the, like, looking at it from an outsider's perspective, yes, it feels like, oh, that's very young. Yeah. But for me, it's, like, I, that felt like it needed to happen, mm-hmm. because if not, I probably would have died very soon after that yeah i mean look at 20 at 19 my dad told me he thought i was an alcoholic so like i could have easily gotten sober then and and i definitely needed it then but i just didn't you know it was pretty apparent yeah Mm, yeah for me too well i would imagine oh so (laughs) so tell me this Mm. all right so let's uh let's start maybe from the beginning so basically what we're going to do is I'll tell you how much time we have. I should have explained all this to you before I press record. Well, that's cool. <laughs> um, 
So we're going to do, you're just going to tell how, what it was like for about 30 minutes. Okay. And then we're going to stop. I'm going to save that session. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to do after you got sober, right? So you're going to go what it was like up until you got sober. Mm-hmm. We'll stop. And then you'll do, we'll do another 30 minutes of sober. Of sober time. 30, and you can go over 30 minutes. Okay. I, what if I don't make it to 30 minutes? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. But look, see, like, already, how much time do you think has passed? I don't know. So we, we've already bullshit for about five, six minutes. Six minutes. All right. So the thing is, is that I'll interrupt. Probably I'll ask you a question if something happens, something seems interesting something. or that I need. I you need, need to like dig in. Yeah. Or if I need clarification, because or, or sometimes what happens is like I'll like because I'm ADD, I'll start thinking of something and then I'll be like, oh, I'm not paying attention. And then I'll ask you a question and it'll be <laughs> literally what you said, like. A minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So just be patient with me. I try to it's pick. Cool. <laughs> I'm ADD too. Don't worry. All right. Um, all right. So just go ahead and start wherever you would start if you were uh, sharing at a meeting or something. If I was sharing at a meeting. Well, I'd start from the very beginning, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I definitely think I was born an alcoholic. You know, there was a lot of things throughout my childhood that, you know, when I was like in my cups, like I was definitely, you know, blaming it on like all these things that happened to me but honestly from the get-go like from birth honestly like I'm sure like there's just something about me that's different and it took me until I got sober to realize that because you know I had no idea like what any any of this meant and then looking back it's easy to see you know as a very small like kid having to escape and not be okay with Mm -hmm. myself even before you know, I took any other substance. There were so many different things that I used. Yeah. Where it'd be, you know, books, being, like, seeking attention, seeking validation. You know, I was a good kid in school. So, like, that was a lot of my identity was, like, being, like, the really, like, good kid, getting good grades. You know, I was a huge nerd. It was ridiculous. <laughs> like, I wasn't very cool. Uh, I got bullied a little bit for it too, which definitely didn't help my self-esteem. Yeah. Like what? Like they would say, uh, (laughs) (laughs) they made fun of, uh, my voice. I used to get teased because like my voice, I don't like, honestly, I don't really know because I don't think there's anything wrong with you, but like when I was younger, it was very, very high pitched, like annoyingly so. And Oh my God, looking at home videos, like my, my family still makes fun of me for it. Like my sister and my dad, they're like, really? yeah, it's, it was bad. So in school they made fun of you. Yeah. That. And then also like I had, like I had a bunch of, um, like dental work. Like uh-huh. it took, like I had, you know, like an expander and all this, like Aww. other like stuff going on. So it was, you know, not very, yeah, that can be brutal. I yeah. Bet. They, people would say things about that. I was, you know, just I was into weird things. I was a weird kid. I was very, I was very different from the get go. Like kids can be definitely cruel. Yeah. And I I used to get, uh, this group of kids would pick on me and to say that I had a a big head. So, (laughs) cause I was like little bitty. Right. So little bitty. And I, and I guess I do have like a large head for my frame. Maybe, maybe you, I don't think, I think it matches up pretty. Like, Thank you so much. It means a lot to hear. I would have never even <laughs> thought that. Like, well, I don't know. These kids, I guess they were just looking for something, right? And so they, yeah. every day, 
they would sing to me and like say like things about my head and they would call me like Hetty Murphy and they would get behind me and do this. <laughs> like what? <with> <laughs> <laughs> why well I, it, oh it was God. a group kids are it, weird <laughs> yeah it was a group of kids who would like kind of pick on everybody so it wasn't because like you know it just every, everybody got their turn oh yeah type thing you know but i know like i definitely felt like an outsider mm. especially just i think it also was just like the environment i grew up in like the type of school that i went to yeah. like as a small school we all went to school f- with each other it was like you know from pre-k to like you know, 13 years old, we mm. were all together. So it was very, you know, easy to like have like the same continuous thing. And like, they knew your weak spots. Uh, it was, yeah. it was, <laughs> it was brutal, honestly. But, you know, I didn't really think anything was wrong. Like I was doing like well in school and everything like that. Like teachers pet, like my parents thought like I was like the best kid ever. Like I was the good kid growing up like compared to like me and my sister like i was the one that had all these expectations yeah i was the one who was smart like i was my parents talked to me about like college from like i was in first grade or something like that like it was you know they're successful and then like i was doing well in school and obviously so like there was huge expectations where my mom's a physician so like they automatically thought that i was going to go to med school and my dad talked to me about like getting into ivy league schools when i was really young it was Yikes. a lot of pressure it's all about put it on you huh? <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> it was pretty wild like from a very you know young age i felt like this like responsibility of like having to put on this like outside persona of like i'm getting the good grades i'm doing everything everybody tells me to i'm not a problem i'm mm. trying like not to have any conflict or whatever and just like trying to fit in, like trying to do what people want me to do. I want to be like the cool kid. I don't want to get made fun of, but I just don't seem to know how. Like I just, there's something about me that like, obviously everyone knows how to like function. And obviously I just like didn't get the memo about how to. And yeah. then it just, you know, very, you know, just feeling like I was just out of place. Yeah. And that there. seems to be a common theme with, with like people who, or alcoholics. Yeah. Pe- right. Like, I feel like that's almost everyone's story. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which I mean, like, I think also the, it could maybe, I think maybe like it's the, it's the theme of most people. Yeah. But like, I think that like maybe discovering drugs and alcohol like interrupts that process of like unlearning that mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know. I don't know the answer to it, but it does seem to be the, the common yeah. thing. Like we all feel different. We all feel like we feel separate. We feel different. Like everybody says that. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, like I really, like I was so different. Like I just didn't fit in. Like I didn't get the life book or whatever. Yeah. Everybody says that stuff. <laughs> but honestly, that's like truly how I felt like yeah. that. And I totally relate to that when people talk about it because yeah. that hit me when, especially when I was coming in and people were talking about that, I was yeah. like, Wow. that I relate like that's they made me feel like I wasn't the only one which was mm. nice to know for sure and then obviously you know I uh, had some like struggles with my family and other stuff like that uh, my parents they're not alcoholics necessarily but they have mental illness so that was also a big part of like growing up feeling like you know, on the outside, my parents are very success, like successful. They have great jobs. We have like a nice house. Everything I could ever want was provided for me, but they were like very not happy people. And they would, you know, there was a lot of chaos and negativity in my house. And it, it was almost like 
this guilt thing where it was just like, obviously like I have everything I could ever want. So why do I feel so bad? Like mm-hmm. everything around me, like I have like so much more than other people do. And then, so why do I feel like it's not enough? And yeah. it would make me feel bad because, you know, I know so many people who have like gone through like other things and like, I never had to struggle with, you know, being hungry or like knowing where I'm going to sleep tonight. Yeah. But I did have to struggle with like feeling like, you know, my parents hate me or like, you know, they gave like all the expectations of school. They, um, my dad has like really bad boundary issues. So like he would tell me a lot of things that, you know, a young child should not have to like be talking with her dad about and stuff like that. Like it was a very confusing atmosphere for sure. And just like, you know, my mom also is like very (laughs) severely mentally ill. She has, you know, uh, a schizoid personality disorder. Apparently I didn't learn this until I was, you know, probably a year ago, like into sobriety. And uh, so that basically causes her to isolate and not form close relationships. And that like had a lot of guilt around me as a kid when, you know, all I want is a relationship with my mom. And it took me until getting sober that I realized like that is never going to be possible because that is just not the type of person she is. Wow. And that was really hard for me, especially you know, I think when I hit puberty, you know, like every girl, like going through all these like regular, like, you know, adolescent struggles. And I did not have someone I could rely on to go with like any like struggles I had, like any depression or whatever. It was just like, there wasn't anybody in my life that I could rely on to talk Mm -hmm. about these things. So when I found substances, that was the first thing that I could like, tangibly have that would make me like put away these issues for a little bit yeah for like however long it lasted so that was that was a time it still is a time sometimes honestly Mm -hmm. because i still live with her yeah but at least now i have like you have an understanding yeah i know better now and like i have tools now yeah from this program where i can realize like you know, I have a chosen family. I have people that I can rely on to go with like these issues and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, I think it's like one of those things uh, uh, where for me it was I had to uh, realize that my parents were like flawed humans, too. And like that was like this huge revelation. Yes. <laughs> like they're like because you, you grow up and, and you you depend on them and then you, you have a certain view of them and you rely on them and you and I don't know, you develop, I developed like these, I, I say unreasonable ideals and expectations from them. And then also with that comes like them not matching them or reaching those expectations. And then that develops into resentment, you know? Mm -hmm. So like my first four step was like, oh my God, I've never really, I just give them, given them the grace and space to be human. Yeah. You know, and flawed like me. Yes, exactly. Like just realizing they are a sick human being too Mm -hmm. because like obviously like i have my own like personal like sickness and like realizing that they they're allowed to have that too i don't have like i can't hold them to a higher standard just because these are people that raised me you know so it's really cool to know that 
you know, it's okay that they have these struggles and like, you know, it sucks and it's not like, obviously I would rather have a good relationship with my parents and like having, you know, not these struggles, but it's nice to know that there are other people that I can go to now in this program. Yeah. And that's great. I can still have a relationship with them. It might not be the relationship that I always envisioned it being, but I can, you know, have some sort of like, you know, compromise where it's just like, well, they can't be exactly who I want, like I want them to be. And then like shut them out and like hate them. Like I used to Mm -hmm. now I can just like take them for what they are yeah, and go from there. And that's awesome. Yeah. Which is cool. That's like one of the big things that the program teaches you, right? Oh yeah. So what, um, so tell me more about like your initial, like vent, like journey into drugs and alcohol. How did that progress? That progressed. <laughs> it's actually quite hilarious. Looking back is like, I, cause I used to be such a good kid. I did not, I used to like hate the thought of drinking and drugging and like, my dad smoked cigarettes and I remember like stealing his cigarettes as a kid. I was like, these are killing you. Like, why would you ever do these things? And like, <laughs> obviously I did everything that I said I wasn't going to do. Yeah. And I think it was honestly just because I hit this point where I was, you know, I tried all these different things. I, you know, used men from a very young age as well. Like that was another thing, like looking for validation and like other human beings, relationships like that still trying to like be the perfect student and all this stuff and nothing seemed to work and I was you know I finally just saw I there was nothing special about it just one day where I got home from school and I was just pissed off and I didn't know like what to do with all this emotion and I did what I saw other people do it's like my parents was when they had a bad day, they would have a drink. Yeah. You know? And that's... So did you put it in like a nice tumbler? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I literally was like... <laughs> I, like my parent, like I think it was it was my mom's vodka or whatever. And so I just like, you know, poured a little bit in a cup and then like mixed it with some like soda that we had and like hated the taste at first, but I like made myself chug it and then felt the effect for the first time, like after finished chugging it and like just that kind of like buzz and suddenly I could like breathe yeah. and my head was kind of like clouded. Like I'm not having all these racing thoughts anymore. I don't have these, you know, voices like yelling at me, telling me I'm a piece of shit. Like mm. I used to. And I was just, it felt like I was on a cloud. Like I was in heaven. Like I thought that moment was a spiritual experience for me. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I remember just laying, I was laying in my bed, just like looking. Cause everything's kind of like spinning a little bit. I'm just like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is, I need this feeling 24 seven. Yeah. This is it. This is what I've been searching for. And I, from that moment, it was kind of like off to the races. I knew I was going to do that as much as I could, as often as I could. Mm-hmm. It was really just an immediate switch Yeah. for me. It wasn't like, you know, just kind of like took it a little bit at a time or whatever. It was like, after that day, like... So you would come home from school every day and do that? Like yeah. you would just go into your cabinet? Your yeah, and because I was I was home alone after school usually for like two hours because like my parents were still at work and my sister was still at school. Yeah. And so I was, I was able to be home alone for at least like two hours 
after school for a little bit. That's prime time. Oh yeah. When you're at home alone and nobody's oh, yeah. there, isn't that like the best, sometimes the best thing? It was. <laughs> and you can honestly, sneak around and do what you want. Yeah. Like <laughs> take and like be able to steal some more for later on if I needed yeah. it, like steal some like for the weekend when obviously I, like my parents are home, you know, being able to just like literally get a buzz before I have to deal with like all my family coming home and deal like coming home from a horrible day of high school and then being able to get drunk and that it became pretty much a daily occurrence okay and then grew into also taking some like before school every once in a while and then it was a mess and like my friends started noticing too pretty early on like it only took a few so this months. is like that is alcohol and drugs or just this is alcohol this is just alcohol at first and they and so your parents wouldn't did, you ever, did they ever go like what's nope. that smell Nope. I was so surprised, too, because I was taking a good amount. And so would you brush your teeth before they came home? No. You wouldn't even like... I didn't even try. Like, I literally, like, <laughs> I mean, I guess I tried. I mean, I obviously didn't do it in front of them. Yeah. But, but I wasn't really trying that hard Yeah. not to get caught. And they did yeah. nothing. Well, they probably, because they, they would come home and drink, too. I Maybe. Like, no, I guess. not every day. It no. wasn't an everyday thing for them. Yeah. Like, they would come home and, I don't know. That always blew my mind. Even looking back on it, I really, I asked my dad once I got sober, I'm like, you really did? Because they had no idea. Up until the point you got sober, they uh, had no idea how bad it was? I mean, toward the end, yeah. obviously, they started noticing. But, but in the beginning, I no. asked them, like, you never noticed all that time. And they, and my dad was like, no, and I so, really didn't. So would, how would, like, you replace the alcohol, would you? Or no, they, or they would just I didn't like, replace I guess the we're alcohol. drinking them quicker now somehow. Yeah. I guess like maybe my mom thought my dad was drinking it. My dad thought my mom was drinking I honestly have no clue. Wow. They had no idea. And I think that's probably why I was able to like do it almost every day because I wasn't running into consequences because mm. these people, there was nobody holding me accountable. Wow. There was nobody that was actually like checking in and seeing what was happening until my friends started to, you know, notice because I'm obviously getting drunk and like we would go to the coffee shop maybe after school some days and i would literally bring like in a coffee tumbler like vodka yeah and they were and then that's <laughs> when i kind of realized oh maybe this isn't normal maybe this is not okay because my friends were like what the hell are you doing getting wasted on a wednesday night yeah and i was just like oh I, I don't know this. <laughs> so you would, but you would do it because it made you feel more comfortable at the coffee shop or by then you were just kind of like, man, I need this buzz. Yeah. I just needed it. To, I, at that point, it, I, it was almost immediate where I just knew that's how I could function better. Yeah. Cause before I just felt so uncomfortable in my own skin. Yeah. Even like, I just could not, you know, get rid of these like horrible, like, thoughts in my head that kept running where like I'm just a piece of shit you know like yeah. everybody's good like thinking like you're stupid or whatever and then I can have just a drink and then all that goes away and suddenly I'm cool yeah. I don't like it doesn't matter what I say I can say whatever I want I don't nothing bothers me yeah I just do whatever I want yeah it's cool it's interesting because like alcohol removes the fear that keeps like because like the fear like I was saying earlier because I, I was thinking about this I was actually thinking about this when I was like getting ready to like getting ready for you to be here because i was thinking about the time <laughs> yeah there and i was like you know she's so different now 
and then back then, and I'm just thinking about myself too. It's like, I was, I was kind of shy and mm -hmm. like, I was very insecure and like in group settings, I wouldn't say a whole lot, you know? Mm. Um, and it's funny because I never, I never didn't exactly see myself that way. You know, I always thought of myself as the way I am now. Yeah. You know, because whenever like there wasn't fear and insecurity, I was kind of free and there, was the, there wasn't that, that thing keeping me from being more authentic. Yeah. What like doing the steps does is it helps take that away. Yeah. So you can be more authentic, um, which is just like an interesting, I don't know. Uh, so that's kind of like what alcohol does. It's yeah. just, just it, it does the same thing that the steps do, just that it does it like exactly immediately. But it also does something else, too, though. It does like a weird like it removes all inhibitions where it's like you don't care. You say, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start making all the bad decisions that like, yeah, if I'm like at least sober and I don't have the fear, like I can still stop myself from doing stupid things like, yeah. you know, taking my clothes off like in the middle of like a public place yeah. which is something you know i probably did when i was using but i am like i am the person that i've always wanted to be now that i'm sober nice being i probably act almost the same way i do when i was drunk except for the fact that i have you know better boundaries and, and i can you're clothed yeah i'm clothed and i have <laughs> you know i'm not saying things that i shouldn't yeah i mean I probably still do sometimes. Yeah. But. We're not perfect. But yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> whenever like, it's, it's funny because, you know, and I'm not downing because look, degenerate drunk here. I'm not talking shit about people who drink, but like now that I'm sober and I'm around people who are drunk, I'm like, whoa, yeah. please. <laughs> I feel like I'm a grandmother. Yeah. And it's, all the time. It, it's like a whole, like, and you, you think like, did I sound like that? And say, because like in my yeah. mind, I always thought that I sounded funny and mm -hmm. smarter and cooler and, yeah. and, and all that. And everybody <laughs> wanted to be my friend. Like I was obviously the hottest, coolest person yeah. that everybody wanted to be around when I was drinking. But we were probably but. just de degenerate drunks who nope. said dumb shit. Yep. <laughs> and I'm really glad that there's not a lot of documentation of <laughs> what used to happen because. Oh, yeah, for sure. That that would be really bad. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I really don't have that. Yeah, I'm, I'm look, I'm grateful too that I did most of my drinking before like um like smartphones all had a, yeah. a high def camera on it. The because, social media. Oh my god, the stuff that would be out there. Lord. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> oh, oh Lord. <laughs> all right, so let's see where are we at. So so your uh, your friends are noticing and they're like, girl. Mm hmm Yeah, it was starting to get pretty obvious to the people that were close to me uh -huh. so you know my friends were worried about me and that's when I realized that I really did need to start kind of doing it behind closed doors that's when I really started isolating mm. more because I felt that you know this is not socially acceptable but it was something it was my crutch like I had to do it mm. so I would do it behind closed doors and hopefully try to play it off and then hopefully people wouldn't notice and it seemed to work for a while you know I could do whatever I wanted to do and people just accepted the fact that like they literally because I was doing it so often I think that is who I became 
And so if I was sober, they probably wouldn't have recognized me, mm. you know, because yeah. it was already at that point where yeah, that's weird. The normal that me is the wa- is the wasted me because that's I quite would, a dilemma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly if I'm sober, that's the weird. That's like the off. Thing. They're like, what's wrong with you, girl? <laughs> I was like, I'm actually not drinking <laughs> right now. This is me, actually. <laughs> yeah, you know, this, is, this is who this I am. This is me full of fear <laughs> <laughs> and like I can't function. Yeah. And so. Wow. It, it just became who I was. That person is, And you then know. the fear of people like finding out oh, yeah. the real you must have been terrifying. Oh, yeah. Crippling. Completely. I used yeah. to like, <laughs> I was also like, because. I'm saying that because I relate in a oh, certain yeah. way. You oh, know? no. <laughs> I definitely, under, it was, I had, obviously, I still have like other, there's you know, my substance abuse, but there's also the part of like actually being like depressed mm-hmm. and having severe anxiety. And so a lot of the substance abuse really was to also mask a lot of that because if I was, cause I wasn't getting treatment for anything. Yeah. So it was like, if I'm not completely wasted, I'm diving into a spiral of like self-hatred and like mm. so anxious that I cannot do anything and like having panic like attacks and not letting anyone see like that, like, more vulnerable, deeper side where, you know, I also was like self-harming. And so hiding that from people Mm. and hiding the fact that, you know, like I was still suicidal. Like I was, you know, thinking about killing myself, but I was just like, it's fine, whatever. I'm just going to drink the pain away. Yeah. And like not actually dealing with those dark things and just masking it and just saying like this thing used to help me i mean it's worked up to a point and then that's what i use just to kind of like obliterate anything that wow. i was thinking and believing and that's just how i functioned for a while for wow. that's pre- crazy pretty much yeah that's too quick long pro- that's like a quick progression too you know it's funny like i was just thinking this about you were saying this like like the i drank for so long and the person the, the and I medicated before and that was the person I presented to people for so long and it and it and it stopped being only the person I presented and it was also like the person I became at home yeah when I was alone I drank so much and that was the the state I was in for so long that I deluded myself into thinking that I was a chill guy by the time I got sober at 29 I'm like I'm chill bro I'm like, <laughs> I'm so chill. I'm like the chillest dude ever. Like I'm just, you know, taking life easy. But the truth was, is that like, you know, there weren't there weren't many times I didn't have alcohol in me. But like when I didn't, I was a fucking psychopath. Yes, I was <laughs> a wreck. I was a wreck. Even even when I was like, you know, drinking and stuff, I just something about like my mental state just was spiraling very deep down for a Mm. very long time i was a psychopath when i was sober and then i started becoming a psychopath even when i was drinking it was just yeah because at some point like the the alcohol and the drugs stopped doing what you wanted to do it stopped feeling it's it stopped you know being the thing that i could be like happy and like be able to function suddenly it didn't work and i was just miserable 24 7 if i was loaded or if i was sober and i guess calling ourselves psychopaths it's not very kind to ourselves. <laughs> yes, that is probably very true. <laughs> Looking wait, back uh, on wait, it. Wait, it's, it's, I like to make sure that people understand, like we say a lot of things we say, we say, because we, 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 there's levity yeah. 
in our experiences. But like the truth was that we were hurting uh, in pain, uh, hurting and in pain. Yeah. Yeah. I was a sick human being. Exactly the way I feel about, you know, other people who are struggling now and like with my parents too, you know, that is someone who is in pain and sick and suffering. And I don't, you know, blame them for what they've done to try to survive. Yeah. Because that's exactly what I was trying to do. Mm. I was just, yes, looking back on it, like that wasn't healthy and there was probably some bad decision making, but I was doing whatever I could just to try to keep going. Mm-hmm. And that's, and it, it looked messy. It didn't look that great, but it's all I knew how to do mm. at that point. That's yeah. all I was doing what I could with what I know. So, and thankfully that it didn't last forever, but it lasted for a while and like destroyed definitely like relationships destroyed a lot of things life blows up in my face so what is so what do the uh you know what what do the events look like leading up to you finally going time to stop well it's if you feel comfortable sharing yeah it's a little bumpy i mean like i started realizing you know that it was a problem for probably at least a year before I actually got sober. Mm -hmm. There was a point where I was not leaving my apartment. You know, at this point I was in college and I was away and I was living in an apartment basically by myself because my roommate was never at our apartment. So I was like, I was holed up in this place by myself, not leaving other than to go get, you know, alcohol. And then like at this point I was also using other substances too. So, you know, only leaving to go get those things. And I'd, I couldn't take a shower without having a beer. And I thought, like, that was okay. <laughs> I really thought that that was, like, a cool college thing to do, yeah. you know? Like, like you would, would, like, bring it in the shower with you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I'll, <laughs> I, there's no, I wasn't going to leave it. Like, I wasn't yeah. just going to, like, start drinking and leave. Like, I had to have yeah. it in the shower with me. Yeah, it's funny. It's interesting because it's like it almost becomes like a like like a security blanket. Oh, yeah. I yeah. had to have it and like had to keep my fridge stocked mm-hmm. with everything that I needed because yeah. the fear of running out gave me panic attacks. Like the fear of like suddenly I won't have this thing that is my crutch and I can live off of mm. would completely destroy me. Wow. So I'd have to, you know, be fully stocked, hiding things around and hopefully you know people don't notice but at that point i really didn't care either i would do the water bottle with vodka did you ever do that oh yeah i thought i thought i look honestly like i thought that that move was so genius it was so slick (laughs) i thought it was so genius and then like when i heard like i i got sober and i i'd hear so many people say that they did i'd be like man you thought you were so smart. <laughs> I thought it was like all me. Like there's no way anybody ever would think to put wa- vodka in a water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I used to get like um, Coke bottles uh-huh. and I would like dump the Coke out and put whiskey in it. Oh, okay. And then they look the same. And it looks basically the same. Cause yeah. as long as you have, like if you put like a little bit of Coke, it'll make the color look a little, yeah, a little right. So it was fine. <laughs> and I could like go to, and I was like, you know, even before I stopped going to class, I would go to class. And bring like my Coke bottle 
of whiskey or like my water bottle with vodka into the classroom. (laughs) And I was thinking like, this is so hip of me. I am like all these other people don't know what they're (laughs) missing. And then I'm sure all these people that actually noticed that I was obviously reeked of alcohol were just like, who is this pathetic? Like, Uh, (laughs) like, I thought I was so cool and all these other losers didn't know what they were doing. But really... (laughs) That's not normal. Elizabeth. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows what they thought, right? But like, yeah, I remember like going into my ACT test, like with no sleep, having partied all night, doing coke, smoking weed, drinking, and then like going in to take my ACT. My friends dropped me off, no sleep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even read anything. <laughs> So I would just, I mean, I've probably told this story too many times on the podcast, So, but I would put C all the way down and then put my head down. And then like, I would put my head up and I, I'd see this one guy and he'd look at me. And I remember thinking, bro, I look so cool. I look like I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. He probably. <laughs> you looked uh, so hip. You paid all that money. Yeah, <laughs> stupid, bro. <laughs> yeah, trying is overrated, yeah. y'all. <laughs> Who tries? Who tries anymore? Okay, so anyways. <laughs> so leading up, what are we doing? What are we at? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I was drinking shower beers. Okay, shower beers. Because, you know, that's what I, that's where I was at. And then I had an incident where there was just like this one really bad night. I ended up getting raped by this guy that I knew. And, you know, my friends were all freaking out because we had, you know, right before that, we had been talking about how like dangerous my decision making really was Mm. literally like right before that. And like how much this really was a problem. And then that whole thing happened and, it basically all blew up in my face. And then my friends were just like, you need to get help because, you know, I was extremely lucky to have some people at that point who really were concerned over what I was doing. And they basically forced me to drop out of college and I had to move home Hmm. with my parents. And, you know, at that point I I still wasn't convinced that I was a true alcoholic. I thought that Yes, my substance abuse was a problem, but I blamed it mostly on the fact that like I was depressed and Mm. had anxiety. And Mm. I thought that if I could just fix the depression and anxiety that suddenly I wouldn't have to abuse these substances anymore. So I went to a psychiatrist to, you know, like get help with that depression and anxiety. And that psychiatrist was the first person to straight up tell me, you know, I think you might be like an alcoholic or an addict and you might not be able to ever drink or use again ever. Mm. And I flat out said, no, like there's no way I just like, I could not process that. And I didn't want to process that. I told her there's no way in hell. That's terrifying. (laughs) I I would imagine to hear that at at the point where you're at. You know, I was 19. Like I was like, I'm too young for this. I had, you know, I'm not a hobo living under a bridge. Yeah, like I had all these thoughts where it's just like, there's no way this could be real. Yeah. And, and, I, get, and alcohol had become like your fucking ride or die. Chick. Yeah. Like if I didn't have it, yeah. I knew, I knew I was going to die yeah. at that point. It, yeah. It was my, it was the only thing that I've, in my mind, alcohol was the only thing that was keeping me alive. Hmm. It was the only reason to live at that point yeah. was to have that. 
and other substances as well. So it was just like someone telling me that suddenly I'm not going to have that anymore. You, you're basically giving me a death sentence yeah. in my mind. And that's so hard. Like, and that's why, like, whenever I say, like, like I definitely could have, should have been, I was at a position at your age where easily, definitely needed it. Would have been great. <laughs> yeah. Would have saved <laughs> a lot of th- if I could have got terrible things. <laughs> but it was a similar thing. Like, where for me, it was like, I can't you don't understand how bad I need this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like the, you don't understand. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't like be a person without yeah. this. So like, so I just, it was out of the question for me right then, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I hadn't experienced enough pain, I guess, you know, yeah. that like that pain that like, you know, you hear everybody say we need yeah. to make this decision you know, and everybody mm-hmm. reaches that point of desperation di- at different points. There's different circumstances yeah. surrounding them, right? For sure. Yeah. I think everybody has a different journey to get there, mm-hmm. for sure. And it, the outside circumstances definitely don't look the same for everyone. But yeah. it all comes down to being brought, basically, like, in my mind, like, it was, I was brought to my knees. But I still wasn't at that point when that doctor told me that. I, you know was basically convinced that if I could, you know, put together like, what was it? 60 days of sobriety that that meant that like, I obviously didn't have a problem and that we were just going to move on. And then we were going to, I wanted to get tested for ADHD so I could get Adderall. Uh-huh. And because uh-huh. I was convinced that that was That's also a right. problem. That was me too. Oh <laughs> it's like, obviously I don't have a problem with substance abuse, but I also definitely want you to give me Adderall because yeah, that's super could... fun. <laughs> 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 like making up any excuse I could, but anyway. And so I really, I was able to white knuckle for 60 days and I was like, that reassured me that I didn't have a problem because mm. I was able to, you know, have, I had a calendar and I literally was like tallying the days until I could go back out and do what I needed to do again. Yeah. And, you know, I was talking to like therapists at that time and they were like, you know, maybe you know, you can get this, you know, you are young, maybe you can get it under control. And they were just kind of like reinforcing this idea yeah. where, you know, I was able to make myself believe that I could control this thing. Like I was, all the things that you hear about, you know, if I, you know, just stick to beer and wine or whatever, because it's obviously the hard liquor or whatever. I just need to stay away from like the Coke yeah. or I just need to stay away from, you know, drinking too much in a certain period of time and I'm just going to be able to pace myself this time. Like had all these ideas that I like fully believed that I was going to be able to do. Hmm. Yeah. It's funny because like what, what else could have the, could the counselors or therapists tell you? Yeah. Other than, Go out and try some drinking. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what it says in the book. Yeah. They were just like, you know, you've, you've got another shot at this. Because look, I'm sure based on what you were saying, they were like, there's no way I'm going to convince this gal. Oh, yeah. You know? And, and like, I was, you and know. I'm sure professionals know they can't convince oh, anybody. Yeah. They definitely could not convince me otherwise. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like I was pretty good at convincing them that obviously it wasn't a problem and that it was all these other things. Yeah. Because that, like... I did have a good, like, you know, like, rap sheet of, like, all these, like, terrible things mm. and, like, all this, like, mental health issue stuff. Yeah. So, it, like, looked on paper, like, yeah, like, maybe that is the reason. Like, I could 
I can make anybody, like even the close people around me, like my parents and my friends, like make them believe that like, this isn't really a problem and I will be able to get it under control. I would like for a while I was fully able to convince them that, you know, I will be able to turn this thing around. And you can't, I mean, yeah, I would believe that too. If my Mm -hmm. 19 year old nephew came to me and was like, uh, you know, he was having issues and be like, okay, yeah. I mean, you hate to pronounce somebody alcoholic at 19. Yeah. I mean, it seems so. I would be in denial of that too. You know, it's like, it's really, it was really hard and you know, it definitely, took a little bit more pain and suffering and bad decisions yeah. for, you know, myself and other people to fully realize that this was like, you know, an actual problem and yeah. that I'm not going to be able to ever use any substance safely. Yeah. But at that point it was like, so what did that look like? Those last like little things. And then we'll take a little break. The and last then that, that little leads things. You. Yeah. The last things were basically, Realizing after that period of sobriety and going back out and realizing that I really did not have any control. It got out of control. It got immediately. Yeah. Like, you know, that first time after those 60 days, I did everything I said I wasn't going to do. And I fully realized that I had no control. Yeah. And then, you know, I was, you know, I tried to commit suicide because basically I thought like I didn't like I didn't know how to live. I didn't know how to stop. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how I could keep living like that. And it, you know, I w- didn't die. And then I was just like, well, hopeless. If I, like, I can't do anything right. So I might as well just live the way that I want to. Like, I was just fully resigned to the fact that, like, I was an alcoholic, I was an addict. That's like, you know, my lot in life. And so I might as well live that out until one day maybe I don't wake up. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, complete resignation and hopelessness that there was nothing that anyone could do to fix like what out like who I was Hmm. and so it was just like a pure like you know (laughs) like hell for me where it was just kind of doing all these terrible things that I didn't want to do for like months getting into bad situations you know like hurting every single person around me it was just kind of a solid, you know, few months where it was just kind of like, I'm just waiting to die. Like I had already tried, like, mm-hmm. obviously I like purposely tried and it wasn't working. So it was just like, hopefully one of these things that I do will like kill me in some way. And it never worked until I got into a, you know, a car wreck because I'm drinking and driving and you it was kind of one of the, it was pretty, it hit me, but it also didn't where I knew that I needed to stop and like I could have died and like I hit another car and those people could have died. And I knew that something had to change because I was fed up with everything, but I still did not know how to change. And I really did not like have a plan. Like I saw no way out and I was trying to white knuckle it like I had done, but I was I was miserable. I was suicidal. I was like, you know, suddenly the thing that I'd been using for so long is taken away from me and all my fears came true. It was like, I could not function. I didn't know how to have a conversation. I couldn't be a person. I didn't know how to like go to the store. I didn't know how to do anything. Mm. And I just went back to that psychiatrist and I was like, listen, like 
I need help. I don't know what to do. Like, please just tell me what to do. And that's when they suggested AA. And obviously I said no at first because that sounded like a terrible idea (laughs) because I had all these preconceived notions of like, I'm just going to sit in a room and like talk about the good old days and all that stuff. And like, Mm -hmm. obviously how is this going to work? All this stuff. And you know, I was like, it was literally to me, it was like either suicide or AA. And I was really contemplating suicide over having to like even show up to this meeting. Yeah. And then the psychiatrist literally just said like, what do you have to lose? And just that enough, just like moment of clarity. Like, I guess you would call like experiential experience where it's just like, you're right. Like, I really don't have anything to lose at this point. So I might as well give it a shot because I don't have any other options left. And that's how I ended up, you know, just heading up a meeting one night, just randomly, just with the thought that like, I never, ever have to do this ever again if I don't want to. All right. Damn, that's cool. All right. Um, I want to hear about that first meeting. But first, <laughs> we're going to take a break. We're it will be right break. All right. From our sponsors. <laughs> we don't have sponsors. <laughs> recording oh it's recording now yeah right now <laughs> oh yeah because i can hear us <laughs> all right so um tell me about we're back from break y'all just in case you didn't know <laughs> <laughs> fyi people um tell me about i want to know if you remember that first meeting that you went to and what it was okay. like what the experience was how were the members um i would like oh, to yeah. know okay tell i her. remember that meeting <laughs> so well because okay. that also probably was a huge spiritual experience for me for sure and it's actually amazing because majority of those people that i met like in that first meeting i still have contact with today one of them is my sponsor it's it was obviously probably one of the greatest days of my life looking back on it but you know it was just kind of my psychiatrist had said you know you probably should like try to hit up an a meeting because obviously with my pattern you know i should just check it out obviously i have nothing to lose so i literally go on the google and is able to find like a list of the aa meetings on like the aanewones.org website or whatever and i just found one on a friday night because you know i'm trying not to drink and i'm thinking like obviously friday night is probably a good night because i would probably end up drinking if i was going out and doing something else so hit up this meeting drive there by myself just kind of friday night friday night like late it's like eight o'clock i'm driving by myself i'm like i don't i didn't even tell like anybody i was going i was just like all right i'm going out bye and didn't tell anybody because i didn't want to like have any anyone have any expectations and i just show up to this little church and i see all these people crowded around i'm just like oh shit what did i get myself into like there's a lot of young people yeah it was like a deep like it was definitely not the crowd that I was expecting, you know, I was expecting a bunch of like old dudes. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's definitely not <laughs> what it was. There's just vape clouds everywhere. Yeah. 
and you know <laughs> like cigarettes and again i was smoking cigarettes at the time too so that also was like okay cool i can like smoke a cig if i need to like calm down get yeah. that anxiety <laughs> down or whatever and you know i'm just kind of like all right like i'm just gonna go in i'm just gonna find a seat in the back and i'm not gonna like talk to anybody and i'm just gonna sit there and like observe like that was literally my mindset was just like i'm gonna check this thing out just see what it's like and then I can leave and never have to go back if I don't want to. Uh -huh. And I walk into the like double doors and I'm just like walking around. I'm just like, okay, like where do, what am I, like what's going on? There's like a shit ton of chairs. There's like so many chairs. And these like women are like in the front and they all obviously recognize <laughs> me as a newcomer because yeah. there's <laughs> I look like a deer in headlights. Like I didn't Terrified. know what was going on. And <laughs> So they start waving to me and they're like, hey, like, come sit by us. Like, we have a spot right here if you want it. And I was just like, oh, shit. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> and so, like, so you just went sat in front. And I just like went and sat by them and they were asking me questions. They're like, so is this your first time here? And like, you know, how long have you been sober? And I'm just like, this is my first time at a meeting ever. And they're like, oh my God. Like, they were so <laughs> excited. They got like all these pamphlets. Like they literally like, they like went up to the little like pamphlet rack and got me like probably like 10 fucking pamphlets. Like I was... And then, like, they had, like, passed around the book and, like, had, like, all these women's numbers that they gave me and all this stuff. And they were, like, super happy and super, like, peppy. And, all, and like, they looked cool. Yeah. Like, they were, like, young women. Like, yeah. uh, like, I thought, like, damn, like, these, like, I could probably hang out with these people. Like, I was thinking it was going to be, like, a bunch of, like, old, crotchy, like, grandpa-looking dudes. And, like, I've got, like, you know, this girl with, like, bright-dyed hair and stuff like that. I'm just, like all right like i could get down with this these these people you know they seem kind of cool but also kind of culty and like yeah. very excited and peppy and i'm just kind of like <laughs> y'all are a little bit much but you know it's so funny because like no matter like you meet when you meet somebody who it's their first meeting ever it's there's like an extra level of like I don't know. It gives you an extra level of like sense of responsibility. Oh yeah. You know, you're like, Oh shit. Like this is like, holy, we have holy to, shit. we have to teach them. Like, it's like, we have to make it. So like, they know, like we want to like show them everything. You want to you do your part. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, like, you know, you can't like, but you want to make sure that like you represent yeah. that, you know? So that's why I got whenever like, it was, I love hearing like the people's reactions whenever it's your first time. Ever. It's your first time ever at a meeting. <laughs> like, it was honestly amazing to me too, because wow. I'd, I had never, you know, it'd been a very long time that anyone was like that excited to like talk to me and like want to hang out with me and stuff like that. And just immediately felt welcomed, which was huge. That's huge. Yes. It was awesome. huge for me. Like I, you know, immediately recognized that these people were like genuinely interested by the questions they were asking me. And they asked me to go fellowship after the meeting and like said like, hey, we're going to go get pizza after if you want to come. And I said yes, which is also like yeah. a spiritual experience for me because like I, I don't know why I said yes. Yeah, you but got, I did. went up to the front. You, yeah. <laughs> you went I, out like, to eat pizza I after. Was, like, I still have a hard time going fellowship. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, oh God, I don't want to be around people. It was, <laughs> and like, I think that was just a wild night because it, you know, it wasn't even like after that, that suddenly like I was like that gung ho about AA and I was like always ready to do like everything. Like 
it still took me a while to really like get into it. And it took me a while to, you know, finally ask like my sponsor to sponsor me. It mm-hmm. took me a while to get comfortable. I used to only go to that one meeting. Yeah. I did not venture out to other meetings because I was still too terrified. Yeah. I only went like every Friday night for like at least like two months. But dude, that meeting is like the like the yeah. probably the meeting that if you looked at all of them objectively that you would say oh that one's terrifying because it is full of young people it's a big meeting yeah there's a lot happening you got another meeting it feels like you know yeah small potatoes yeah it's like (laughs) chill but i also felt more comfortable because at least like i was in a sea of people yeah and Um, like if i really wanted to i didn't have to like do anything i could just like blend in whereas like i was terrified that like if i went to a smaller meeting that like i was actually gonna have to like start sharing shit yeah and i wasn't fully ready for that either yeah like i was like i can sit in this big giant meeting and just listen to all these other people's experiences and take it in and not feel obligated to have to like say like what i'm truly feeling right now because that would have been probably too much for me yeah i guess there's like a certain level of comfort in that yeah 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 like i like going to a meeting and just listening it's yeah. almost like you're going to the movies. Yes. It's you know, like, it's I can just relaxing. chill. I don't have to worry about anything because if I start speaking, then I start to get self-conscious like yeah. right now. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> what are these people going to think about me? Uh, you know, if I say something stupid, they're all going to hate me. You know, if I say the wrong thing, like they probably won't let me back in yeah. like next week or whatever. Well, see, and so that's the thing also, like whenever you're trying to share experience is like what takes you out of that mindset is like, I want to say, like, what can I say that'll help somebody, mm-hmm. right? And in the beginning, I haven't received, I haven't recovered yet, so like, yeah. I haven't received the help that I'm thinking I'm gonna give somebody. Yeah. So like, maybe not saying anything <laughs> is the right thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. I had literally nothing to say. It was just like, yeah. I am just hoping, like, one day at a time that I don't drink because I hadn't, yeah. I didn't start working the steps. I hadn't done anything. The only thing I had done was to be able to sit there and hear what other people have to say. So you, so you're going to this meeting on Fridays mm-hmm. and you're going fellowship mm-hmm. um, and you're staying sober and I'm staying sober. Um, how long was that before you asked your sponsor to, to sponsor you? It took me, let's see my sobriety dates in September. I didn't ask her until January. So it took me a solid few months Yeah, to okay. just, you know, absorb what was going on. And really I was nervous about committing to it. Cause once I felt like I had asked this person to sponsor me, like I felt like that's what made me in it. Yeah. And I, you still wanted to have a foot out. Yes. I wanted to have an escape route because I wasn't, I was terrified of the world. Like I didn't trust anyone, like having, Mm. being able to be open with someone and like, you know, have that vulnerability of, you know, okay. Like suddenly these people like know that, you know, I'm showing up every week. Like that was terrifying. Like my sponsor texted me and asked me to go to the New Year's Eve party. And that was, that was terrifying to me because it's like, oh my God, this person actually wants to like see me outside of a meeting. Like that was the first time that anyone asked me to like (laughs) hang out or something. So it was wild, but it took me, yeah, a solid few months for me to say like, okay, like, that's I'm before ready. she was your sponsor, though. 
Yeah, that was yeah. before she was my spouse. Like sh we, you know, exchanged numbers. I think the first meeting we had, but she asked me to go to that New Year's Eve party, but I showed up. Yeah, and she was dancing. And she was dancing. Oh, you know she was dancing. And she was dancing, <laughs> and I was dancing, and I had actually brought a non AA friend to that party for support. Okay. Like I, that is another like extremely awesome thing I have in my life is like people from before you know, my sobriety who I'm still close with, but like extremely supportive of yeah. my sobriety. And so I had asked this friend, you know, if she would come with me to this, you know, a, a sober New Year's Eve party and she came nice. and then we got to hang out and like go to this AA like New Year's Eve party. And I was just kind of like, wow, these people are actually having fun <laughs> and like doing, we had a dance party and it was awesome. We had pizza and there was like, games and stuff and people were like you know it was like good music and all that stuff it was so much fun it was uh, a good time yeah i remember my first well my first like new year's eve party sober and it was a revelation to me <laughs> <laughs> yes because like i'd never danced sober wow I mean, that's, I mean, I feel like that's a common thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I never danced sober. And like, so they dan I danced that night and I was like, dancing sober is amazing. Dancing sober is I had so like the best time I'd ever had. And like, and now it's like, and again, something I've probably said in another podcast, because <laughs> I always relate the same things. Obviously my story hasn't changed, but like, <laughs> yeah. now it's like, if there's like a, a wedding or any kind of party like you can't keep me off the dance floor <laughs> andy will be on the dance floor hands down yeah because like, like it's just such a great experience anyway so but that was fun. like one of my first like and and actually that was i was a little bit over a year sober whenever i had that experience where it was just like i can't believe i can have this much fun yes. i mean and it sounds so cliche, and whenever you're getting sober, it sounds like people are just lying to themselves and to you j mm -hmm. that you can actually have fun sober. Oh, yeah. But it's like, it's so true. I did not believe yeah. it at first. I thought everybody was lying when I first, like, got in here. Yeah. I was, like, at first, like, I was, like, I was kind of, like, are these people actually sober? Like, I did not, like, believe that these people truly could be sober. I thought, like, obviously they're lying and everything, but it took me until, like, listening to enough person's stories to realize like, okay, these people really do get it. Like they have been through the same things and they're, and I truly started trusting them when they said that they were sober. Yeah. For sure. I thought I was getting into a cult. I was like, <laughs> these people are lying. Like they're so happy. Like this is like not, it just didn't seem real to me. Yeah. I don't remember ever like thinking people were lying about being sober. I don't think I ever questioned that. I think I, what I did sometimes I think, you know, there would be times like like whenever I first got sober, then like, you know, I'm not doing my four step and I was like in a weird place. And then so I remember like hearing people in meetings say stuff and being like, man, fuck that guy. Or like or hearing a cliche and being like, oh, God, if, they, if I have to hear that shit yeah. again, <laughs> really, bro. You know, like, yeah. but I, I don't know that. But I, I, I would develop like bad attitudes towards the whole like thing mm -hmm. but it was always something yeah. within me that was within the problem yeah. yeah not so, other people for sure yeah okay so dance party new year's eve goes off and then a month later you're asking your sponsor to sponsor you yes um what um 
tell me so what what about her made you want to ask her and yeah i'm curious all right well because that's a feels like a pretty significant thing right yeah it was you know she was one of those people that i met at the first meeting i had ever gone to and you know the way she was excited about aa and the way like she had no problem like sharing her experience during meetings because her home group was the meeting that i went to every friday night so she was consistently there every friday night i saw her every single time i went to that meeting and she always seemed to have something that i could relate to you know like whenever she spoke it always hit me and you know she was young i could relate to her you know we when i went to the fellowship to get pizza after you know we she like shared some of her story with me and i like shared a little bit of mine and like it was pretty similar and you know she was the one who invited me to that new year's eve party she was actively you know trying to get me involved and she, that was a huge that was insane to me you know she actually wanted to like get to know me and actually wanted to you know help me and that really was I knew like I knew for a while that I wanted her to be my sponsor. It just took me a little <laughs> bit to get the courage up to finally like make that call and say like, Hey, will you be my sponsor? Even <laughs> though like I knew, like I knew if I would have asked her, she would have said yes. Cause she had like said like, you know, like, you know, if you really are serious about this thing, like you should definitely get a sponsor. Like here's like a list of people, like I'm always available and here's a few other people that are available. And I knew like if I just asked her, <laughs> she yeah. would have said yes. <laughs> but I was still like scared out of my mind to like yeah. actually say like, will you be? It's like asking someone out. It's just like. Like you almost uh, wanted her to do it for you. Yes. I wanted yeah. like I would have rather like. Yeah. But you, I think that like you going, getting out of yourself and asking her, that's like huge. Oh, yeah. It, like it took me. I remember I was driving around in my car, listening to music, like trying to get myself like pepped up and like in a good place to like get the courage yeah. up to like call her that's admitting you need help oh yeah which is and, like crucial it took me you know like i was it took me a little bit just sitting in the meetings i think to really come to grips with the fact that like that was my place like mm -hmm. even though like my first meeting it definitely hit me i definitely related to these people you know it was a huge you know, basically life-changing experience for me in that first meeting, but it's still, you know, I'm still very stubborn and I'm full of fear and I was not completely 100% ready until after going to these meetings for a while and seeing what people had to say and seeing people consistently show up again and again that I realized that if I wanted anything to change, I was going to have to do the action because just sitting there and listening, like it helped. It kept me like, you know, sober. Like I was like able to go to the meeting and still like not drink, but I needed more because I was still miserable and I was still struggling. Like I was able to, you know, like sit there and get like some sort of peace. But I knew that if I wanted what they had, like that joy and that excitement that obviously I had to do what these things that they were talking about doing, like working the steps, getting involved, hmm. like reaching out and talking to people and being, you know, a human being basically and just yeah. 
getting over that fear and just saying like, you know, that cheesy saying or whatever that they say is like, you know, the pain of staying the same Mm. is like outweighs out the pain of staying the same is like worse than the pain of change. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's it. That's like, I literally just, it took me a while to finally hit that spot. And then when I did, like, that's when shit started changing, mm-hmm. honestly. Did you hit your knee when you asked her? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually in my car <laughs> on the phone. Oh, yeah, you called her. All right. So what does the steps look like? What does that process look like? It looked, <laughs> it looked, <laughs> it's just like looking back, it was like, I was a, such a completely different person at that time. And it like blows my mind just there wasn't a set, you know, like shift. Like it wasn't like this point that I can remember, like suddenly things started changing. It was, you know, I was terrified to meet with my sponsor. I would get like nauseous every single time I was driving over to her place because I was so scared having to like read this book and talk about (laughs) it with another human being. That's funny. I was like, I had to like keep a bottle of water like in my car because I literally thought like I was going to throw up every single time. Wow. For like the first like couple months. Wow. But you did it. But I did it anyway. That's incredible. It's like. That's incredible. It's like, where does that, I mean, because like anything like that would have driven me to drink. You know what I mean? Like that kind of like heavy fear you know, but there was something that was like there that that had you going back. Yeah, because I was every single time that I had like some sort of little action, I felt a little bit of relief. So like, there was tangible like results yes. that you were getting despite that. Yes, it was like every single time, you know, that first time when I didn't want to go to the meeting, I got relief out of going to that meeting. Mm-hmm. And so the next time when I went to a meeting and I still got a little bit of like more relief when I got to that meeting, it just gave me a little bit more faith that like, if I do these things, I can, you know, get better. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like little by little by little, like just going to the meeting and then like, you know, finally going to enough meetings and getting enough like faith and courage to like ask that woman to be my sponsor. And so then after that, it was just like having that faith and getting the relief of just like, okay, like now she's my sponsor. Now I actually have to do the work. And I was still like terrified, but like just by having that small bit of experience of going to the meetings and having like some sort of like base, yeah, like it gave me enough, just like just enough to get me over that fear yeah, to make it to the next like meeting. It's like you were, you were, you were all, you were starting from the first meeting. You were already starting to have an experience mm-hmm. of like, like going against walking through the fear. There's like something different on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And then the more and more you do that, the more you can like, just believe like, I know I'm fucking, I'm tripping right now. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I know what's going, like I suddenly can start realizing these things and I don't have to like get to that same, like literal like panic fear nauseousness to like take some action Mm -hmm. you know i've reached a point where i did like all the work like i was like it was scary like there were definitely like my poor sponsor like i would freeze up sometimes like even just like sitting and talking like with the book like i would literally just like freeze up and like i couldn't do it it was like a lot yeah it was it was hard but she was always so patient and she knew like Cause obviously like she had been through it, 
you know, she had the same experience as me. So she knew like how to handle that and always knew it's always seemed like she knew exactly what to say. She had, you know, she could, she got it. She just could understand. And she was always so helpful and like, you know, never judged me. There was no judgment whatsoever. There was always, you know, some sort of advice. I mean, like, not necessarily like she wasn't like ever like telling me like I had to do this. Like it was never, you know, all any like assignment. It wasn't like I had to do this. It's like she left it up to me. Yeah. Like always. It was just kind of like, you know, if you want to do this, like here are some things you can do if you want to. But it was never like, you know, this is what you're going to do. And like, you have to do this. And like, because that would have probably sent me into a panic. Because yeah. like, it would have just like, it's like some scared people the need, shit out of me. Yeah, some people need to be dealt with a little more gently. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like that was like one good thing that my sponsor did was like he, you know, and like if in our literature, it does say that they, you know, it says it specifically, uh, you know, that that there are no access to grind, no fees to pay, no lectures to be endured. Uh, these are the circumstances that we find most effective. Something to that effect, right? Yeah. It does say that. It's, it's in the book. <laughs> it's in the book. <laughs> but I mean, so like, I remember when I got sober and like I would hear some people talk and, I, and they would, uh, they would, you know, there was this like, almost like, like sponsor sponsee relationship where like the sponsor was like a dictator and the sponsee was like, you know, submissive. Yeah. And that, and and that like, and I would hear that a lot. I would hear that, like that dynamic and it, and it, and it almost seemed like that was the norm. And maybe that was like, maybe I latched onto that idea and I wasn't Mm -hmm. seeing that it wasn't because now that I, now that I'm sober long enough, I know that that's not the norm that that's like a very few they're, they're few and far in between, but there yeah. are those people, you know, and I remember thinking like, man, like I can't, like, I thought that it was going to have to be like that. And I think also that's also what gave me the, to a degree, like the, the willingness to like feel like I had to do it no matter what. Yeah. But my sponsor was chill. Yeah. He was just like, yeah, bro. So, you know, <laughs> like I just, <laughs> I remember thinking like, he just like, he's just like doesn't care or something what's going on but he was just but he was expressing that like no mm-hmm. you know dude it's on you you know yes. i'm gonna be here i'm gonna show up i'm gonna do mm-hmm. the work with you yep. i'm not gonna judge you it's 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 all good yep. you know and i needed that yes i totally i related to that because i also was terrified whenever they talked about like the dictator like that like i like i assumed like yeah, that might work for some, like maybe someone definitely needs that, but that was not my experience. If I would have had that experience, I don't know if I would have been able to have the same like progression that I did Mm -hmm. because, you know, there was a, like, I was very hesitant and like, I was like any excuse I could have, like, I probably would have turned the other way, but I never, there was nothing that really got me to that point where I felt like I had to turn away. There was always like, you know, a good atmosphere. Like I felt welcomed. I felt like no one was judging me. And that was incredibly important because, you know, I was, it took me, you know, little by little, like I was like a turtle coming out of a shell. Like that's literally how, like I was very like reserved. Like I was terrified to open up to my sponsor about certain things. And like, 
now today like i don't care like i will tell you anything in any like aspect of like i will tell i'm probably too too much honestly at this point like i probably <laughs> talk to like i'm way too open like i'm the other way like yeah. i will tell you anything like all my business but at that point like i could not like formulate words sometimes yeah. and it was just kind of like all right we're just gonna take this like step by step patience and but like so what part so like so for me like i think like what what gave me that ability to like be open and talk about anything was like fourth and fifth step oh yeah like because Real, <laughs> yeah <laughs> realizing that like the world didn't explode when i told this one person that one thing that i thought like if i told anyone like the like i was gonna die yeah like and like none of that happened and it really was not as bad as i thought it was and also being able to open up to like other people like speaking and realizing that sharing my experience might help someone else mm. has been me very more open yeah. because I never know because there were so many people who spoke at meetings and said things that like I was terrified of saying and that like if those people could say like all these things that I thought that I could never say and like that gave me so much relief just by hearing someone mm. else say like I have gone through this too it like it gave me hope that like I could continue yeah. and like I could open up about that. So now that's so important. It's so important because yeah. that's, and that's why I feel like I am so open because it's like, if this person, like if I don't say this, that person might not hear it. Yeah. You know, it's like, I want to have people know that like, it's okay that like you've gone through like these horrible things that you think that like make you a terrible person because I promise you, you're not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> dude, I was struggling with an amend when I got sober and like, and I was like, there's no way I'll be able to make this amends. No way. And you know, in a car, in a passenger side, uh, a longstanding member of Alcoholics Anonymous picked me up at treatment, was bringing me to a meeting and I asked him a question about amends and he openly began to share an, about an amends that he had to make that was the exact, the exact amends that I was struggling with, you know, and I didn't right. tell him what my amends was, you know, I was just, mm -hmm. you know, trying to pick his brain because like, I ain't going to tell nobody what's going on. I mean, you <laughs> yes. know what I mean? Like, like exactly. and I was just like, oh my God, he just like, didn't even hesitate and it rolled off, off his tongue. But like, yeah, it, that removed something because it made me go oh i'm not the worst piece of trash yes. you know like here's a guy you know what i mean like we think we're so unique you yeah. know and i thought like you know i could never speak about these things and you know i like every like if i told people they were gonna hate me or whatever and i was gonna be turned away and like if i screwed something up so bad you know i was gonna be you know excommunicated or whatever from this like establishment yeah. and really that's not that's not a thing no. it doesn't matter like no. there's so i've made there's so many mistakes there's a lot of people mistakes. who probably should be excommunicated and they're not <laughs> oh, <laughs> jk jk <laughs> that's not that's not happening <laughs> no it's like i know that like i can make mistakes here and that's why you know i can be a lot more open and chill because i know like I don't have to be so afraid of saying the wrong thing. Cause even if I do, you know, I can, I've reached a point where 
one, I can take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Two, I know that these people are, are going to forgive me. And, it, you know, I've basically reached the point where, like, I'm not, like, going to beat myself up, like, for making these mistakes. Like, I'm also, like, more confident that I am human. Like, I am not, I don't have to be, you know, this perfect, like, being. Yeah. And, you know, it's not, like, the end of the world if I do something wrong. Yeah. We're I, all imperfect. Yeah. You know, there's, there, it reminds me of that book, The Spirituality of Imperfection. You know it? Mm, who's oh. it by? It's a, I forget the authors, but it's like, it's basically, it's basically about AA though. Like, I think the authors were like members of Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm. And, um, and it talks about like, you know, how, you know, we're all imperfect and we use our imperfections. I, I'm be honest with you. I haven't read the whole book. So if somebody's <laughs> read the book and they're like, it's not about that. He doesn't know. <laughs> Well, that's what you got out of the book. So. Yeah, I, I never finished it, but I mean, you know, but it, it also t- talks about like how we relate with each other through our stories, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's a, it's great. I probably should finish it and then maybe I'll let you borrow it. I was about okay. to say like, I'll let you borrow it, but I hear it. <laughs> maybe I should finish it first. <laughs> Bro, like. uh, so yeah, that's great. And, it's, and I think that that's like fourth and fifth is, is it, because first it makes me um, look at and accept those things within me that, you know, and, 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 and then also it gives me the ability to love and accept those same things within others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And that's like, that was another big thing was like for my like fifth step was taking a look at like all these things that like I blame so hardcore on like other people. And like having to realize that, you know, these are also imperfect people. And I also have to take a look at like how I played a part in all of these things. Cause like I had huge resentments against like certain people. And like I fully believed that like obviously this is a resentment where it's there. I obviously have no part in it. Like I, you know, like there was like I'd gotten molested when I was a kid and I was like, this is a like a very like true resentment. Like I, there's obviously you know, I have no part in this. Like, there's no way, you know, I can have any part in this. And I just have to like, and I'm just going to hold on to this resentment forever because, yeah. you know, like it's like, I can't, like, I don't know how I can forgive this. You have like the right to. Yeah. Like I was just like, I am so justified yeah. in this. And then it wasn't until doing that fifth step where I realized, you know, like, yes, that was a terrible thing. And obviously like, nobody deserves that like that is something that you know i wouldn't like wish on anyone and i don't think anyone should have to go through that but the way i react is still my part and the way that i use that and like use that as an excuse for all these like bad behaviors that i had and the way i acted out because of it and how much like i would want to use that as an excuse for like how much I drank and like the way I acted out after that, like in so many different ways. And like, that's, that's on me still. Like just because I had this like horrible experience does not give me any excuse to do all this like absurd, crazy shit after. And then realizing like, you know, I still have to be like a decent human being, Yeah, you know, like I, I don't have to, you know, have this resentment like control my life and like i can like realize like yes that sucks 
yes, like that was hurtful. And like, that is a sick ass person, but holding on to it is not going to get me anywhere. And like having to realize like, all right, like, I'm just like, I'm going to do my own work on that outside of AA. And then after that, like basically just having to take responsibility and like being, you know, open to the fact that like, I do need to like do some work on that too, because for a while I didn't, I did not want to address it. Like I was just going to like, this sucks. And like, I'm going to be so angry at the world and like, nobody can tell me otherwise. And then realizing like, that's not a way to live life. Like I was like, that was only hurting me even more. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, when I realize that there's like a course to take, then it's on me. There's a course I can take now. And if I choose not to, that that then like I that's I gotta own that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Yeah, that's huge, man. And it sounds like most I mean it's crazy because like when I hear stories like this and I hear like it's like like what the what the process of the steps do is they help you heal internally and um it, it helps your like you know, it's it says we're 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 spiritually sick and like all these things. It's like it's a combination for everybody. It's a different oh, yeah. it's a different uh, yeah. uh con, you know combination of things that add to our spiritual condition. Uh, but that's the thing, right? It's like the spiritual sickness and that like nothing else, nothing's gonna change until I until I heal that spiritual condition. And like that's the kind of stuff. Like it's like mm-hmm. going in, looking at it. What can I, what can I do about it? Where, where, where where do I have, what, what, what is the prayer? What the power to change the things I can, like, you know, like that's it. (laughs) We say it like almost every meeting. Yeah. It's such a sick ass prayer. You know, we kind of just say it and not think about it, but it's like, God grant me a serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Boom. Well, if I can do that, man, the whole world gets lifted off my shoulders because like, you know, I, upset with everything and I'm like and I'm carrying the weight of the world on my yeah. shoulders because I can't change any of it and you I'm know? angry that I can't because yeah. I think I should be able to run the entire world because obviously if I could control everything then everything would be perfect and I would like I'm so smart and I know how to like fix everything mm. and the truth is, is like when I try to control things in my life it goes to shit yeah. like pretty quickly and I, there's so many things that like I obviously have no control over and like it is literally a waste of energy to try to put effort into this stuff. Like I can't change like any, you know, situation around me. I can't change other people. I can't change, you know, like certain events that are going to happen or have like already happened. Yeah. Like all I can do is have the courage to change the things that I can. Yeah. And like just asking God for the wisdom to like realize that like Yes, this is something that like I can work on or this is something that like I just need to like let go and let God. Yeah. It's interesting because like the second I like usually what happens is like whenever I do t- like take some action on the things that I can change, it actually does affect change to the things that I can't change. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it does it, it, it things outside of my control change whenever all I do is handle the things inside my control. It's such right. a weird like it's a weird thing. And it doesn't seem like it would work that like that, yeah. but it does. Yeah. 
maybe it's more of like an internal thing where it's just like suddenly like things are going yeah. well. So yeah, it's, like, it's really, I think it's probably right. perception. You know? <laughs> Everything is perception. Yeah. All right. So, man. So, okay. Where are we at? Now. <laughs> so you have to make amends, right? I do. That's, that's, <laughs> that's part of the program. <laughs> so, yeah. And you got to uh, do that. That's hard and that's difficult. Um, it can't be. Yeah. What did um? So what? So who your first one? I mean, was, who was like you, you like? Check it off the list first. My parents were my first ones because one, I live with them, mm-hmm. so it's like easy. it's right there, and also because that's probably the biggest relationship that I struggled with, like pre sobriety, was my relationship with my parents because you know like I. Uh, I blamed them for a lot of things and I had a huge resentment towards them. And, you know, it was very difficult for me to, you know, do that fist up and realize like my part in this relationship and then having to realize that like, I have to actually like apologize and like, you know, make this amends for my behavior to these people that I really, really, you know, (laughs) thought that like it was all their fault for a very long time. Mm. And being able to just sit down and, you know, like tell them, you know, I, I was wrong. You know, I did some things that I should not have done. And like, if there's any way I can like make it up to you and like make this right, like, please let me know. Like if there's anything like I left out, like, just tell me. And they were way more receptive than I really thought they were going to be. Like, my mom, like, cried, and, like, that's, like, ridiculous. Like, that's, like, (laughs) (laughs) that's so weird to me because that's not something that would I thought would happen. Mm. And, you know, they were just, they just said, like, how proud they were that, like, I really was, like, turning my life around because it was really rough, you know, before that. And they could see, like, by the time I was making these amends, like, my life had changed. Like, I had made progress that, like, they could see. Yeah. And they were just incredibly like happy that i was you know living a better life and stuff like that yeah and they like and they still to this day like constantly like you know i'm always like trying to like making that living amends to them like trying to be a better daughter Mm -hmm. and you know doing the things that like i don't necessarily want to do a lot but like i continue to do these things because you know it's basically it's like a routine now like this yeah. is like i want to be like the better person and like i want to be like if i want to have like the results that this program like says i can have that means i have to do like the action yeah and like you know they constantly like say like we're so proud of you and everything like that and like that that's wild to me like i never ever thought that my relationship with my parents was ever going to be able to be the way it is now because like i i live with them and it's going like okay you know (laughs) like it's not perfect obviously but it's still decent and you know i can actually like have conversations we you know i get to hang out we actually i actually get along with them i actually want to like be able to 
You watch football with them. I watch football with them. Yeah. We go I, I know that much. <laughs> LSU, right? Yes. We go <laughs> we go to LSU football games. My you know, my dad and I are actually for his birthday. His birthday's like right after um Halloween. So in like oh. two weeks we're taking a trip together to go to Selma, Alabama. And because he wants to go on this road trip for his birthday and I get to do that. Selma, Alabama, what's there? Am I... <laughs> That's, uh, uh, you know, where Martin Luther King, oh, the uh, okay. march. Oh, God, I'm going to have to delete that because... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> to... I'm going to delete that part. Because... Yeah, because we need to seem like we're woke. <laughs> we need to know. <laughs> of course, now that you say it, I remember. Now you remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a super important part like yeah. all that stuff um. <laughs> <laughs> but yes that's where we're going and also just because like my dad's obsessed with getting um counties like he loves like keeping track of how many like counties he's been to oh really yes. he's got a map on the wall i think it's on his computer he shades them in but like he oh. he keeps track Wow. And like if we're on a road trip, like we might have to take like this out of the way. You should like, get him a, a big map of the U.S. <laughs> and their counties. I don't know where I would fucking put it. <laughs> like, Does he have a wall in the garage or something? That you can put I mean, up? we don't have a garage. So oh. like, I don't know. I honestly have no idea where we would put it. Big, I mean, if you if I guess you would need a really big map to even be able to see yeah. the counties. Yeah. And also like because we've been to Alaska. So like I'd also have to put like it's not just like the continental U.S. I yeah. have to like pull in like Alaska and like all this and stuff. And Hawaii at the bottom. Yeah. Well, I haven't been to Hawaii yet, but <laughs> one day. Well, I mean, Hawaii County. Hawaii County. Is that <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know. So, man, so it sounds like you and your dad have a I, I always thought that, too. Like, you know, whenever. I'd hear about you like hanging out with your dad and going to games together. I was but, like, yeah. oh man, that's so nice that they have such a close relationship. Yeah. We have a decent relationship. It's, you know, it's not a hundred percent. We still disagree. Yeah. And like, there's still, you know, issues that pop up, but the difference is now is like, I have resources yeah. and ways to deal with them. That's a lot healthier than it used to be. And like, I don't have to react the same way that I would have because when I reacted before I got sober, it would just blow everything up and it would, it would just make it worse. Yeah. And now I know how to react in a better way so that like, it doesn't have to get to the point that it used to. Yeah. Things you can't change. Exactly. That's it. Um, okay. So <laughs> I'm trying to think. So like, so it's okay. So we're amending. Did there, are there any other like pertinent amends that you think are like relevant that, maybe you should share i mean like i think the biggest one for me i mean like whenever i think about like all my amends like the one that definitely stands out is um i had a friend that i completely like our relationship was extremely toxic and uh you know that was another thing was like i definitely blamed her for like a lot of things that happened but i mean like they're were definitely things that I did that were wrong also. And I tried to, like, I have tried to reach out to make amends to her, but she still to this day wants nothing to do with me. Mm. Like I've reached out. I think the last time I reached out was like a few months ago and she just still like, it's over three years now that I've been sober and like, she does not want anything to do with me because of how badly you know, I messed up that relationship while I was using. Wow. And like thinking back and just 
realizing like I never want to be that person that destroys a relationship so bad that even years after the fact this person like wants nothing to do with me will like see me in the street and will walk the other way to like get away from me like not I like I was a very you know like also with compassion like I was a very like hurt sick person but I also you know I am capable of doing a lot of damage if I don't stick to a spiritual program and keep myself you know in close contact with like a higher power or like all these other people that can call me out when I'm doing some messed up stuff yeah and like it's and that's like the living amends is like wanting to make sure that like my amends for her basically because all I can do is living a better life and saying like I do not want to be that person yeah and like I'm not perfect I still like make mistakes and you know I have to like apologize and stuff like that but I don't ever want to like be that person ever again yeah so I'm just good like I literally just can try my best and live like a better life and And who knows who knows like things might change yeah later down the line I guess like the thing there to do is like respect the wishes yeah Yeah, I'm not gonna push anything I'm not gonna say I need to make amends to you yeah like Like, (laughs) I'm going to show up at your doorstep (laughs) just like leave you like an unwarranted letter yeah it's like like, yeah it's like no also yeah you know it's like whenever before if I upset somebody if somebody was upset at me it hurt my ego and and it disrupted my 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 sense of well-being so bad that I would like do everything I could to like apologize and make things right. And it wasn't about actually making things right. It was about like making myself feel better about the situation. Yeah. You know, and like being sober has been me being like allowing somebody to not forgive me and and respecting that. Yeah. That's hard to do. It's hard. But that's part of the amends. That's a real apology. That's a real amends. You know, like, like, come on, man, forgive me. Like, like, (laughs) like, I could, like, I could be on my knees, like, begging her, like, please, like, please let me make this. But that's for you. you. And but that's only gonna give me relief. And if it's the whole point of amends is to have them heal. And if you know she does not, if it's not healing for me to like, you know, make that amends to her. That's up to her. Yeah. Like this isn't for me. This is like and that and that sucks sometimes because it is like a blow. Like yeah. it it does hurt to think that like wow, like that must have really hurt someone and like that obviously, you know, is hard, but it's also like a good reminder and like it humbles me to think like okay, like I am not a perfect person and like I have to like keep myself in check. Yeah. Like I am not like my ego is definitely not like going to go like outside the window as long as I remember that fact. Wow. So. Yeah, that is pretty powerful. I thought you were going to make, I thought you were going to say one that I was like, like super good feely. Yeah. <laughs> but that is like the lesson you learn from that is probably like, like, yeah. and that's a huge lesson, you know? Oh, yeah. And like the, the things that that, that, that kind yeah. of amends and that kind of like. Cause I think like most people do want like that good feeling amends. Yay. It's like, you're like, yeah, like I'm like, <laughs> you know, like I made amends to this person and like everything turned out so well when everything was. You really do feel great after you yeah. make them. Um... And it's just like, <laughs> I've healed these relationships that I never thought possible. It's like, 
I'm still like, I still don't have like yeah. that. Like I still have messed up something and, and it's, haven't been able yeah. to. Yeah. It's a, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Um, all right. So now let's bring her home. Cause we've got like 10 minutes. We got really nine minutes that we can, <laughs> we got like nine minutes because I, I can't, I, up to an hour I can upload and then we're at 50 minutes. So okay. wrap her up in five ish. Okay. Okay. Give it to me. So just, you know, <laughs> what happens now? <laughs> I mean, obviously big, like part of this program is sharing our experience. Mm-hmm. So that's been a huge part in service work. Service work has saved my ass so much in this, like, in these, like, few years that I've been sober is I feel extremely, extremely lucky that my sponsor got me involved in service work. You know, I think that, you know, a lot of people think of the 12 step as, like, straight up, like, sponsoring and, like, that's, like, that is a huge thing. But there's so many, like, different ways to carry the message. And, you know, like, I love sponsoring. Like, I love, like... (laughs) I can love my sponsees and everything like that. And being able to work one-on-one with someone is extremely rewarding. And I love having like those little meetings and seeing like someone try to like, you know, get something and have that little light bulb moment or whatever. But you know, there's so many other things like doing like TNC work and like sharing my experience with other people has been a huge, huge blessing. Like, I never thought that I was going to be able to do that. I was terrified. I never, like, if you would have told me, like, within, like, the first year of my sobriety that I was going to be able to. You'd be on a hit podcast? Yeah, like, <laughs> on a hit podcast. <laughs> this is a hit podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. I mean, yeah, yeah. Don't get nervous now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you tell me now. <laughs> After the fact. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I'm going to be, like, sharing my experience with all these people is Hundreds insane. of thousands. Hundreds, hundreds of thousands, <laughs> millions. This is gonna go viral, yeah, y'all. You know, I mean, I mean who all knows? it takes is one. Oh lord, <laughs> oh lord. But it's just so cool yeah. to be able to, you know, there's so many different people I've gotten to meet and like hear other people's stories like that too. But also, I've gotten involved like with a home group in district. And like in my district and uh, like the general service board around here doing, you know, things like I had no idea that any of this stuff was going on. Like it's like (laughs) 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 I like to call it like the real AA nerd shit. It's like, you know, getting involved in those things like going to area assemblies and like doing like cpcpi which that's some nerd shit for real that's some that's some nerd <laughs> shit like that's like you know but that's the kind of stuff that like goes behind the scenes that like keeps kind of like the you know these kinds of programs running to a degree you know yeah. and keeping the doors open for likes for whenever you do show up and sit in the back Yep. And, you know, <laughs> and you don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's like super important. It's super. And I've gotten and I think the fellowship, honestly, with like all of that stuff is like being able to connect with all these people, like going to different meetings and, you know, being involved with district. Like I've met so many people that I probably wouldn't have been able to by going to this thing. Like I've gone to area assembly and I find out, you know, they're like people sober from so many different areas. Like I've gotten to meet people from 
all around Louisiana, going to like the like YPAW stuff and going to a YPAW convention and that was mind blowing and honestly a little scary. That's a whole other podcast. (laughs) That's That's a whole other thing. Like all these like different things like AA is so much more than like just what I thought at the beginning of just like going to the one meeting. Like there is so much that goes on and I like had no idea like all like this thing is huge. Yeah. There's so many people. And I really thought that like there was only going to be when I first walked in, like it was probably going to be like, Oh, it's just going to be a bunch of old dudes and there's not going to be like any young people. There's not going to be any fun to be had. Like, how am I going to like sponsor people? Cause I'm so young and like, you know, how am I going to be able to relate to these people? But there's, I have so many like friendships that I've had that like have completely changed my life and being able to, you know, actually like have responsibility, which is very strange. Like, you know, I'm like a group service representative from my home group. So like they trust me to go to the, like these like district meetings and stuff, which is wild. Yeah. And it's just like, they trust me still. And I don't think they should. (laughs) I'm just a bad steward sometimes. I know I try my best, but it's just like, the coolest thing that like I don't know I have my life is ridiculously full and like I never thought that I would be able to have like close friendships or anybody with like sober people I didn't think that like this is how like I could still have fun I was gonna be able to you know do all the things that I still wanted to do I get to travel like whenever I travel I get to go to AA meetings in different like places you know I went to England within like my first year of sobriety and I got to go to like an AA meeting in Alcoholics London Anonymous. <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous <laughs> oh, that's really good mine was horrible <laughs> oh yeah because I I've hung out there obviously <laughs> and like it's that was wild just real like having all these experiences that if I hadn't gone in sober, I would have never been able to. Like I have close, like people who I consider my best friends are people in AA. Yeah. You know, the people that I reach out to, like if I'm struggling, it's the people in AA. Yeah. It's, you know, this is my family. Like these are my people. Like, and I get to have this for the rest of my life. Like I never have to like worry that like I you know, I'm going to like struggle because I always know that I have somewhere to go and I have some place to like, I have help if I need it, mm. like no matter what. Yeah. That's insane to me. Like how do other people... We're lucky, man. Like... We're lucky we fell into this kind of like thing. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, like I can only imagine like being a normal human being and like not having this. Yeah. Like I, I feel like like when people say like I'm a grateful alcoholic, like... I literally am grateful that I'm alcoholic because if I wasn't an alcoholic, I wouldn't have been able to meet like all these people that have completely changed my life and made, I feel like all the people that I've met in AA have made me a better person. And that is not me. That is this program. Wow. Wow. Ditto to that. Um, Fib, Elizabeth, Whatever you want to call me, <laughs> I answer to both. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> this was a great episode. I hope you know that. Uh, like, I'm uh, it's gonna get five stars for sure. Oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. Thank you, and uh, I appreciate thank you coming you to do this. Thank you for having me and giving me sparkling water. You're welcome. Only the best here.